I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. Hey, I'm Michael Patton. I'm really excited about this because I am going to be able to shut down everything that Samson says. And I should be able to do that because I'm the president of Credo House Ministries and I've got this THM from DTS. Now listen to what he has to say. Hey, I'm Samson Kovach. I'm from the Theology Pit and I'm really excited that Michael's going to shut down everything that I have to say. Uh, that's, that makes me excited. I have a MAR from uh, TSM. <laughs> I'll just, I'll say it like that. This is Divergent Theology, where we take topics, Michael and I both have bit different backgrounds theologically, and we sort of clash them together, and we, we see what happens when the world of theology actually doesn't agree with itself. I think the principle of it is not just, obviously, not just neighbor, not just, you know, at a quarter, yeah. something like that. I think the reverse of it is, you know, always be truthful type thing. And I mean, uh, just a principle that that the scripture says about God, you know, whenever Titus 1, 2 says the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ago. And so the idea that in the character of God, there is no deception. Mm -hmm. uh, we find ourselves attempting to emulate that character, be more like him. And we find deception, at least in, in a lot of cases. I mean, even in the world today, you know, we we see it as, as wrong. There's very few cultures or peoples who have ever seen lying as a good thing unless you've read like uh, uh what is it uh the um uh the missionary who went to uh uh the uh well he went to the tribe that that believed that killing lying and deception were really a good thing oh yeah and, yeah 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 um, and he ended up um what, uh, peace child peace child yeah the peace it. child that's it Don yeah Rich. yeah yeah i remember yeah watching that in uh, my missions class yeah oh did they have a movie about it yeah yeah they they did a small in my intro to the missions class yeah somebody did like a small like documentary like movie about actual it. footage um i think it was i think it was reenactment oh but I mean, um it, i'd love to see that yeah i'll try i'll try and yeah if i could find it i'll, I'll try to get it to because it was it was really interesting that you know that that's what you know, it was all about. And the peace child is the thing that enabled the missionaries to be able to explain, uh, you know, the sacrifice of Christ and what that yeah. meant. Yeah. Well, you know, whenever you read that, one of the things that you're, well, you're blinded by the entire time is, is this fear. I mean, you always put yourself in other people's situations. What would I do in this situation? And whenever I'm looking at this, watching this or reading this book, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, what in the world would I do? Because these people don't believe in truth. They don't yeah. believe that it is good to express rightly either who they are, what they believe about the world, or what they know about things. I mean, it's just whatever it is in order to, in this case, whatever it is in order to befriend you so that they can kill you. I mean, what a crazy thing at the end. Deception is the greatest thing in the world. But that is – we look at that and we're, we, are, we, we gaff or, or we, we gawk at that. 
because it's so abnormal and it's so fearful yeah. and we trust and hope even in our natural selves that every day people are rightly expressing who they are and representing who they are. And whenever they don't, we don't want to talk to them anymore because it's just, I mean, I, I had a friend whenever I was growing up, he was a really good friend and we all loved him and we hung around him so much, but every other thing he told us was a lie. Hmm. I mean, he was one of those, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, whenever you lie all the time, uh, not a compulsive liar is what I would think, but liar, I think yeah. is what it is. But uh, he, he, I don't know why, but he just couldn't help it. Everything, and he would just make up stuff. You know, I mean, we were we were going down to Padre mm -hmm. Island when we were uh, 16 years old, and we were going to stay at his dad's hotel. He had a hotel there, yeah. and he owned it, and so we were going to stay at it. I mean, he didn't. He waited until we got there, and and. Then we just ended up going to a different hotel and he never even told us that he didn't really have one. And so it was, it kind of was this funny thing. But at the end, at the same time, I'm like, how can you do that? Cause I don't know who you are. I yeah. really don't. I've never gotten to know you because I don't know if the representation of that, which I have gotten to know, even in the deepest moments with anybody, mm -hmm. if they are a liar, you walk away with nothing. Yeah. You see, and so it's just this in, in, inherent trust that we have that people are telling the truth, that there are scriptures like uh, first or Titus chapter one, verse two, that says the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ago. Well, why does it matter that he can't lie? Because he promised us eternal life. Mm -hmm. And if he could lie, then we're in big trouble. And so I, I, I mean, if I'm, if I give a defense of that, that's probably where I would go to is both natural theology and, you know, some kind of uh, the assumption within all of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody but, lies the wrong. But all of that is for, um, malicious purposes and for, you know, purposes for, um, self-satisfaction, you know, turning in on oneself, only focusing on yourself where, you know, saying something that, you know, will lead somebody to God, for yeah. example, or leading them closer, even though, even if it's not true, you know, it, it, and, and, or, I mean, allowing that to happen, like not calling someone out on it and saying, you know, well, this guy is, is saying this thing. Um, I know it's a lie. He might yeah. know that it's a lie. But you know what? It's going to be so impactful on this person. They're going to run to the arms of Christ. Well, what if I said, what if I came to somebody and said, you know, I'm telling them about Jesus and they trust me. Let's say I've gotten their trust and mm -hmm. they, they really believe. And finally, they've come to me after years and years of building a relationship and trust. And they say, you know, tell me about why you believe in Christ. And I tell them the basic stories, you know, about why I do in my life. But I say, gosh, this is a, this isn't impacting this person. They seem to be kind of off in their own world and they need experience more than, than this kind of whatever it is I'm doing, this apologetics type thing of Bible and rationality. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know, and I also, I also, uh, Jesus comes to me and talks to me. You know, and uh, I see them and they, they, they know me so well, kind of like the invention of lying. They you just want to be gain the trust. People believe anything you say uh, because that's what you've done. And so I've gained the trust of this person. And I say, I see Jesus every night and he told me he loves you and he wants you to come to know him right now. And they did. Well, I mean, of course, that would be a greater good that came out of it. Mm -hmm. But but is that OK to use? Because just because it's a greater good and who determines which is the greater good that's great enough 
to outweigh the other good, which is not lying. That's the hard thing. Yeah. And what if, okay, let's say that I was standing there next to you while you're telling this guy this thing. I mean, should I interrupt and say, no, Michael, that's not true. You're lying to this guy. Like, don't do that. Don't say it. Because if I allow you, am I committing a sin of omission by not calling you out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, it's not, we're talking about this. I don't even know which ones, which, if it's both wrong. I mean, I would assume making stuff up because I never have, you know, or at least at least I try not to. And, you know, I, I, I remember back in my younger days whenever I first became a Christian and, you know, I was studying all these apologetics and all this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. everything that I I read from whatever – Christian apologist, or usually in the night in the nineties, mid nineties, it was creationists. And I used to I used to read or watch. I don't know if you ever saw any of these, but they were great. They're still great. But the the Kent Hovind videos. You ever seen any of the Kent Hovind videos? Oh, oh, I think I have. Doctor th- Dino. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I have. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's just hilarious. I mean, the guy is. If you want to see somebody belittle the other side, but you can't help but laugh. You know, you're like, I don't want to laugh at this, but he, this guy's funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I listened to him and he made sense the entire time. You know, I was very young as a Christian. I, I listened to him. He was, he was denouncing evolution. He was belittling it, making fun of it, everything else. And that was my established belief for a long time, maybe five years. Yeah. And I didn't really go anywhere else. And so whenever I would talk to people, I would talk like Hoven did and express the same beliefs that he would. And one of the things that he expressed was and this is the most radical and why he's called Dr. Dino probably, is that he believes that dinosaurs still, still exist. He believes that there's some out there in Africa and he, he's gone out there and he's got these pictures that people have drawn. It's just, it's just really interesting. Now, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I'm not getting into that. I, but Yeah, they made I about there, six movies that say that's not a good idea if that exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, he... he, he Maybe I go out there and I tell people and I'm walking down the street down with, uh, with somebody and I'm telling them about Jesus and I say, uh, you know, evolution drone because dinosaurs still exist. Yeah, they found them in in Africa. And I speak of it as fact. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a problem, Sam. And I know that's a problem that you have struggled with, too, because both of us don't want to give false information. Whenever we, whenever we, uh, whenever we're placed in a position uh, uh, to to where we have influence or we're able to teach or, or God put us there, we, we want to give the correct information because we want to be faithful to God. And so it's just, it's a premise in theology. It's a premise in our teaching. It's a premise in our methodology of everything that we do is that we want to be careful and we don't want to misrepresent the truth. Number one, we can made, be made fools of later on, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, you can show yourself to be to be wrong whenever you presented yourself as so correct beforehand, and therefore you start becoming more careful with the language you use and how you use it, uh, and how assured you act over certain things because you you know you might be wrong and you might be proven wrong later on, and so you temper everything. You you start to qualify your your language. You know this is this is what I believe. You know, you don't say this is what's fact. You know, I, yeah. we used the word fact a long time ago. Fact. 
uh, five facts that denounce, you know, whatever, uh, denounce Arminianism. <laughs> facts. <laughs> that, that way it sounds better, but you really, you're, you're deceiving because you don't know those are facts. They're just your beliefs and the best you got. Maybe they are the best evidence as well, but we got to be careful whenever we're, we're talking about theology. Don't you agree with that at least? I would say so that, you know, you, and, and this is where it gets sticky because like, all right, as long as you believe that it's not false, then it's okay to say it. And it, it would make you want to defend something because if it does turn out to be false and you admit that, are you then guilty of all of the falsehood that you've said? I don't know. I mean, doesn't Jesus say we will be held accountable for every word that we say? I mean, isn't what we say, doesn't it represent who we are? And there is very much importance in the Bible about staying silent whenever you 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 you, you speak too much because your, your, your representation of the world gets out there and forms yeah. realities to people. And so it's better to be silent whenever you don't know something. And so in some ways, yeah, and let everyone think you're a fool rather than opening your mouth and removing all doubt. There you go. <laughs> that's a good that's a good quote. Who said that? Uh, I, I, I want to say that was Mark Twain. It sounds like something he would say. But yeah, um, yeah but I don't I'm not real sure. But let me let me um, let me ask you this question here. OK. OK. Cretans. Are they always liars? <laughs> you're talking about paul huh? yeah i am but, now he said uh, that he he said that titus chapter true. 1 verse 12 all cretans are liars this they're liars evil beats and lazy gluttons so yeah and, and what paul paul's quoting there is is just a common saying you know i mean people it was just a saying you know the saying out there that all cretans are liars well mm -hmm. it's true so yeah uh, such testimony is true well, I, I don't so, think so uh, so is that? I mean, what, what's going on there? I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. <laughs> well, I think lying's okay. All right. <laughs> well, listen. I will just call you anytime I'm at this dilemma point and ask you just to make sure. You know. But but if I, I, I wanted to bring that up because you made some good points about you know tempering our language and watching what we say and watching what we yeah. do, and then here you have Paul. Just going like you know, straight at it. Hey, they're all oh, sure. lazy gluttons and all sorts of stuff like that. That's true. That's what they are. Sure. Oh, hey there, everyone. Did you know that it has not been scientifically proven that you become closer to God by listening to these podcasts or watching these videos? That's right. Science has nothing to do with this, but you are increasing your knowledge about God. Hopefully you are engaging your brain with us and thinking, ah, I disagree with these guys or I really like what they're saying. Either way, continue to listen and continue to watch and really stretch your mind, engage your mind for Christ. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Um, you can check out our websites at thetheologypit.com or credohouse.org and you can get tons of great merchandise like this. Now, buying these mugs and t-shirts is not going to keep you out of purgatory, but... You know, do you really want to take that chance? I sure don't. Oh, it's good theology right there. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, one of the things that we, we do do is we understand there's context where people, 
exaggerate and have fun and push things and and say, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't get any sleep last night whenever you only got like an hour or you say, you know, I, I am so hungry I could eat a horse, uh, something like that. And, you know, we, we understand there's context where we push things to a limit. But but sometimes, you know, whatever, I think we we need to know when to be careful. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we need that's why we that's why you and I go to school for this and try to learn and try to get familiar with things. And where are the where are the touchy points and where are the things we back up and we we uh, we just stay silent. And where are the things that we push that kind of stuff? And yeah. I, I don't know uh, what, what context uh, you always do this in. But, you know, I, I I just don't know what context I can set up for people and say, OK, listen. You can do the same thing as Samuel. You can do the same thing as God uh, as long as rule number one, rule number two, rule number three are met. But if those aren't met, don't do it. See, I don't have any rules. Mm -hmm. All I have is an example. And I can either say that example can be followed. Just be careful. Or I can say that example shouldn't be followed because only God knows how to do that correctly or can use that correct. Well, we do have sort of some rules. I mean, uh, Paul gives us some rules, you know, and his rule is don't sin. Don't do it. I mean, Romans six and seven. Here's yeah. three reasons why you don't sin. Yeah. You're, you're you're now a slave to righteousness. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are you are dead to sin. You are completely dead to it. And you are wedded to Christ. So therefore. You, you no longer, you, you don't sin as in you are sinless no matter what you do. It's you don't desire to sin. You don't desire to go out and do those things. You desire everything to be towards God and service to other people. That's who you are now. Act like it. But then we get into situations. I mean, uh, not all of us do, but uh, you get into situations where, you know, like the, the, uh, uh, the Germans who were hiding Jews. Mm-hmm. And the Germans come in. I mean, people are probably wondering when we're going to get to this example because it's used so often. But the Germans come in, the SS guards come in and say, do you have any Jews here? And mm-hmm. the people in the house say, OK, I can. Here's my dilemma. I can either let them know and trust God because I got to tell the truth. Yes, there's Jews. They're in the attic. Or I can lie and say there's not any. And then they will get away. That's one example recently but also you have the same thing with rahab right that's why i was just thinking that yeah yeah i tell the story about rahab well um so i mean it's almost the exact same thing like you have the the scouts from israel that come she hides them and they come through you know and and she tells the guards no go on they're out there and everything and then because of her lying you know her and her family are spared whenever uh israel Whenever Israel comes in and, uh, you know, takes over. Well, it's an interesting too. Not only that, but we don't have much about her except for that story. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she makes it into the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that's because and, and from our uh, previous study, if you think of the way I understand faith. Yeah. The hall of faith is not based on the individual's actions. It's based on the um, uh, paradigmatic understanding of faith as God's moving it through. So, so I read Hebrews, uh, you know, eleven a little bit differently. 
Well, I mean, the point is she makes yeah. it there and we don't have any stories about her except for that. So it's it's interesting that there's a commendation. Yeah, yeah. Even though maybe, maybe like like there's stories also whenever you read about uh, the Jews and the, the concentration camps and the Holocaust, there's also stories about people. I, I, I've only actually heard one, so I shouldn't say stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard a story where a person comes in and it's the same thing and he will not lie. He trusts God. And, you know, it's it's there's no go online in his house and his kids are there. He set that example, everything else throughout his entire life. And here we go. Here comes the SS guards. They say, do you have any Jews in this house? And he says, yes, they're in the floorboard. Mm-hmm. And in this story, the Germans laugh and leave. Yeah. And so it's it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, should we just should we should Samuel have no matter what just gone on and trust God? But because this this sin, this lying is in the world, God will use it and allow it just because it's already here, you know, and it, 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 he condescends to our situation. Mm-hmm. It's like he condescends to so many things in the Old Testament, like like slavery and the cultural the cultural norms that seem so foreign and so so crazy to us, almost sinfully crazy in some cases, but and, and he regulates them. It's, is this not God just on the chessboard and all these pieces are sinful and he's playing with sinful pieces. Mm-hmm. And not he doesn't wait till they're not sinning to move them. Yeah. Did did God use Judas's sin to bring about our redemption? I would say you could say either one. I mean, yes, I think he did, but Satan entered him, so Satan's the Satan's the one that's that I don't understand. Maybe maybe the same situation was going on in heaven. Who yeah. will go down and entice Judas to have Jesus killed? And everybody comes up and says, I'll do this, I'll do this. Satan comes up and says, Hey, I'm gonna go down, enter him mm-hmm. and make him think, you know, that that uh, he, he wants money or something, you know, the silver that he's going to get. Whatever happened, but maybe that's what happened, and maybe God did bring it about in such a way. So it's just something, I mean, doesn't this whole situation just come and, and kind of, I, I guess, just, just rattle us enough in order for us to be able to, number one, I, I, you know, not necessarily leave here assured on exactly what to do in every situation, but assured that that uh, there is mystery and there is this dynamic that is going on in the world that God is allowing and 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 even using and that it is it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing that we have you know, this kind of dynamic and mystery with God and God's interacting in such a way, even with sinful people and sinful situations and sins itself. He's interacting with. Now you're a dispensationalist, right? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Well, the, well I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not you know, saying that to point anything out, but just to ask um, examples that we have and that we've, we've sort of talked about here have been in the dispensation before the advent so within the church age, it have do we have examples that this could be the normative or that this could be acceptable, or was that just something for a different dispensation? <clears throat> I, I wouldn't know uh, what dispensationalists would necessarily you know dispensations depends on with your kind of a hard liner where you're drawing the lines yeah. and you, 
you really see these distinctions. I'm more of a of a progressive dispensationalist, or I call myself a progressive covenantalist until that book was written called Progressive Covenantalism, which didn't represent it at all. But um, uh, I, I was before that, and that's just basically that that God is God is fulfilling the same plan. He never changes his plan, and he just always adds to it and adds mm. to it and adds to it to, to the point where here we are in the progress of Revelation, and we do have more information than we ever had before in the understanding of the gospel and everything else. And uh, he, did use, he did use those situations, but I wouldn't say there's anything different. I don't think, you know, I look at, I look at the, the passages we've looked at, especially uh, the one in, which one was it that, that was in... Uh, what was kings? it kings or, yeah kings yeah. and say is that still going on in heaven and i i just think gosh i have no real reason to believe it's not mm-hmm. well i mean uh, the argument that you could make for being not is that with with the advent of christ and um you know the the revelation that was given there being in the church age now the church age has established a different parameter in the way that people are doing things. And I'm not a dispensationalist, so I'm just kind of throwing this, you know, no, no, I get where you're going. I think it's kind of like the idea that the, the, with more revelation, everything comes out of responsibility. Well, and with, uh, with the Holy spirit dwelling within us, yeah, you know? And so, and so there's, there's a different, um, there's, there's a different paradigm. There's something different that's going on here. So dividing, even if you just divided the dispensation into two ages, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you yeah. know, the age of Israel and the age of the church. Um, if we don't see examples of God doing things like this, it's uh, and, and this is going to sound really stupid, but it comes down to the musical instrument argument in church. You know, yes, they used it in the Old Testament, but now we are in the new church age. Show me in the New Testament where they use musical instruments. They uh-huh. don't anywhere. Therefore, no musical instruments, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I, I at least want to apply it to my understanding of my dispensationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the only thing I call myself a dispensationalist for is because I do believe there's still a future for literal Israel and that there's something that God has to fulfill there in order to keep his word. But, you know, it's not that big of a deal to me. I could be wrong. It's it's not a center point of my theology. But it, I do understand what you're saying is that. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe if you're a dispensationalist, you could see this is that that maybe these things did go on and God allowed for it, maybe even allowed for, let's say, all these demons to be in heaven beforehand. But, you know, whatever Jesus said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from the sky. The idea that he cast them all down from heaven at that point, And now, you know, they're they're uh, just fighting against the Holy Spirit in that way. And they don't have any interaction with God. I don't know. But I, I, I just assume mm-hmm. that because I don't have any good reason to believe otherwise that this is the way that God works and it's part of his characteristic and dynamic with humanity, given that we have free will, that he, he, this is the way he has to. He is completely sinless. He will never sin. He can never lie. But at the same time, it doesn't mean he doesn't use sin to specifically accomplish whatever movement since he's making, even something as bad, like you said, as Judas betraying Jesus. Yeah. And I mean, if I was a dispensationalist, I think this would be an easier conversation for me to have because I could, I, you know, I could compartmentalize things. Uh, yeah. But not being that, I, I take the entirety of scripture and just say, well, God's unchanging. This is the way that things happen. This is the way that things go. And 
you know, I don't believe in free will, of course. So um, it's, you know, there are other things that that go along. I mean, I'm much more Edwardian in my in my understanding of the will and the yeah. you know, greatest well, desire I and do. everything. I do believe we have freedom in the sense like like, you know, Augustine said we have we have freedom of the will, but we don't have liberty type thing. You yeah, know? but he was really indifferent to pairs. So I really don't look to him for you know too much knowledge. No, I don't. But I do like his distinction. <laughs> Do you remember that from Confessions? No, no, I don't. He has an entire he has an entire chapter on how indifferent he is to pears. I don't remember that. Yeah, him him and his buddies went into somebody's orchard and they stole stole a bunch of pears and they didn't. Yeah, and they didn't do anything with them. They just kind of they weren't even particularly good. And they just like threw like he has this entire section of how indifferent he was to pears. And I just found that hilarious, like the whole time. But that was, but that was one of the least disturbing things about his confessions. You know, I mean, the other one was him putting away his, you know, eleven-year-old uh, betrothed that, you know, that pleased him. Whatever. Anyways. Uh Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. Look at Pharaoh. Look at all these things that we can say that God is not mysteriously working in and with sin in order to accomplish his purpose. Yeah, or we get to heaven and God's like, that was totally a variant. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe How did you not see that? Him. That's, that's so obvious. <laughs> maybe.